this week's episode, we speculate on the Red King in House of X, cover a few new indie number one titles, and wrap up with Salem the Not-Talking Cat. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cover B. Are you getting into the spooky season? Well, one of our fears has been squashed. Because... Because Spider-Man is back. Oh, okay. My fear that Spider-Man was going to suck again is relieved. I thought you were going to say they finally caught the ghost that's in my sink. No, he's still there. Okay. Yeah, I'm really sorry. That's unfortunate. Yeah, Spider-Man's back. Spider-Man is back with the family, the Marvel family. There's talk that Um, Tom had something to do with it. Yeah. Which is great. I haven't looked too much into the details because, honestly, uh, it is just kind of exhausting <laughs> and like it is, it is i finally gotten to my, myself to the point where i was like oh well maybe it'll be good and then they're like never mind they Tee- fixed it teehee uh, i know it- that they did actually come to a legitimate compromise like cool. disney didn't get everything they wanted sony didn't get everything they wanted but they found yep. a middle ground and everything's yep. better and so there's at least one more movie and it's entirely likely that they're going to introduce like all of the Spider-Verse and it's nice. going to be a thing. But. My, uh, my favorite is that now that Spider-Man's back with Marvel, all the people are coming out of the woodwork that are like, here's why it's a problem that Spider-Man's back with Marvel. No one cares about your thoughts. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. Like, people just got to be that way. They people just have be to like, be mad. Yeah, they just got to be like, why do you, why you have to be mad? <laughs> it's like, it is only Spider-Man. Like, just, just enjoy, just enjoy yeah, that just, things whatever. are how they were and Somebody, how they wanted. Somebody's gonna make a movie. It's either gonna be good or it's or gonna not. be bad, and then you just live your life from just there move on. Uh, okay. So you want to talk about some not Spider-Man stuff? Yeah. Uh, so over at Marvel, this week in comics, Ed Brisson had a big week. Man. <laughs> I gotta say, so he had two number ones come out this week. Ooh, um, fairly feisty. fairly kind of important number ones. So the first one is a uh, Contagion number one. So Marvel's doing this like, I I don't know. I I I'm kind of wary about it. I'll probably read it just cause. Okay. And the first issue was pretty good, um, but it's like a weekly event that they're doing in the midst of having like two other events happening right now because they've got absolute carnage going on and they've got house of x powers of x is still not wrapped up and then they're gonna have dawn of x is gonna be like the kind of umbrella term for all the new like x-men stuff coming out and then eventually we're gonna have incoming but you know let's throw in like a a five or six issue weekly event just because we told ed brisson he could do it um but it's like he pins this really cool letter in the back about how he is a huge horror movie buff and i'm a huge horror movie buff and it's true it's spooptober um so you know it's it's cool that he's into horror movies i didn't really get as much of a horror vibe as i could have okay like it definitely does feel kind of be horror movie but just kind of like on the zombie side of life it's about some sort of infection okay um it's about some sort of infection going on and uh you know it's like a sentient fungus or like this dude like the patient zero type guy can also like steal people's 
powers when he infects them. So there's some sort of weird, like, superhero-y, like, pseudo thing going on. Um, but it was pretty good. It opens with a Fantastic Four. It's going to be all street-level characters, which Fantastic Four isn't really street-level, but it's going to be... It opens with them, and the thing is a big part of it, and he's a little bit more street-level than the rest of those guys. And then it's going to pull into, like, Jessica Jones and Iron Fist and all of them. That's cool. On, so... Uh, hopefully it'll be pretty neat. Maybe it'll introduce some new concepts that can like continue on. Um, but we'll see. But then his other number one that uh, Senor Ed had is a uh, Ghost Rider number one. Okay. So we're finally getting the Ghost Riders back. They've been kind of just in the periphery for a while. Right. Um, but they've recently started kind of coming back up um, with uh, the all-new Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes, being on the... Uh, Avengers team, he kind of popped up, and then all the other Ghost Riders started to kind of pop up. Johnny Blaze is king of hell now, so he's got that going on for him. Uh, Danny Ketch is back in the picture, who has not really been in the picture for a long time, huh. and came back into the picture in an absolute carnage tie-in, the Symbiote oh. Vengeance, um, where we found him like drunk at a bar in New York somewhere, and he got roped into helping. No, he wasn't drunk. He was closing down the bar. Never mind. That's... that's He's drunk in the bar in this one, um, but he was just, like, shutting down the bar, and then uh, Blaze, like, appears to him in astral form, and it's like, hey, you have to go help this other ghost rider who's getting attacked by Carnage, um, and I don't remember her name because she was kind of short-lived, but she honestly is a really cool ghost rider, and I wish they used her more, and I'm kind of sad because she did not make it out of that absolute Carnage tie-in. Oh, no. Um, it was really unfortunate because um, it's a cool character, and a female ghost rider be nice to have around because um, the like machismo of Ghost Rider can get a little old um, but which is why I like Robbie Reyes so much because he doesn't really pull that whole like I'm on a motorcycle I've got chains I'm better kind of thing no he's kind of like cute and quippy yeah but um, he's a little bit more lithe of a Ghost Rider you know what I mean well and he doesn't he, agile he has no problems like talking smack with the other smack talkers yeah, like true. he'll he talks smack to tony and stuff yeah. which is nice. now that said i love ghost rider i've always felt ghost rider is a very underused character because of the aesthetic right i think it like if they tweaked the aesthetic a little bit they could get like and it, they did with robbie reyes but they still kind of just put him in a car and in leather and it's still that like you know biker bar bdsm kind of appeal right um I've always felt like they could take that character and do some really dope stuff with it. So I'm excited to see what comes out of this Ghost Rider run. And the first issue was pretty darn good. It's oh, that's nice. about essentially these demons are rebelling against Johnny Blaze becoming the king of hell. Right. Mephisto loyalists. And they um, bust out of hell. And Johnny Blaze is going to round him up. And he enlists. He finds Danny Ketch at his bar that he owns getting drunk. And is like, hey, come help me. And Danny's like, no. And then leaves the bar and is like, oh, shit, giant demon. And fights it and kills it. And is like, I guess I'm helping. <laughs> um, Didn't really have a choice. <laughs> and still kind of blows off uh, Johnny. And then sees like his the spirit of his dead mom and stuff who warns him about Johnny Blaze. And then we see Johnny Blaze like viciously murder this demon. And it's, oh, it's really intense. So um, I think it's cool because I feel like the series is going to do a lot to establish a new status quo for the Ghost Riders. Okay. Which is kind of a subset of Marvel heroes that haven't really been hit too much right. in terms of like, let's change their roles and stuff like that. You know, so we might see like Johnny become a little darker or like oh. even 
bad to a degree. And then we might see, you know, Danny kind of become this more noble dude. He's always kind of been, Danny Ketch always kind of had this reluctance to him, you know what I mean? Because it's a demon taking over your body. That's how you get your powers. I mean, that is weird. Um, And, you know, Robbie Reyes is kind of his own thing, but he's rebelling against the ghostwriter right now too. So there's a lot of like, I don't want to be a ghostwriter. And then there's this one dude that's like, I want to be a ghostwriter because then I can rule hell. Look at the power it gives me. So like using it for the wrong. Yeah. Reasons. So it's it, it it's interesting, and I kind of hope I kind of hope they use this as a launching pad to get a new ghostwriter in there. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Um, because they've got the whole race of the ghostwriters going on in the Avengers. We've got cosmic ghostwriter popping up all over the freaking place. Um, we've got you know, like I said, Johnny getting a little dark, Danny getting a little like being reluctant, but being kind of drug into this. Right. Things are not well for the Spirits of Vengeance, so I'm hoping that maybe we'll see a new one pop up in this series. That could be pretty cool. That would be neat. Uh, but like I said, the first issue is really good. I'm excited to see where it goes, and just congratulations to Ed Brisson for having like a stellar Wednesday, because Contagion and Ghost Rider were both pretty good, and they both came out. So. Good on you, dude. Yeah. Now we're going to migrate over to House of X, number five. Yep. You'll notice we didn't... Uh, it's six. Six. My uh, You noticed that we didn't start with House of X. Um, that's because... Honestly, not as much to say on the closing issue. I have something to say. Yeah. Well, yeah. We can... No, no. We can get to it. It was good. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you have to do it now. It's like a gimmick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what did you think? Um... A ton to say about it but i do so they finally introduced last time i got all like really into and theorizery about the council and who's gonna be on the council and who is this person who is that person well they introduced effectively everyone on the council yep um and it's basically everyone you would yeah, expect it's mostly everybody it. you would think but the only so. person they didn't reveal who's on the council is the red king i think i know who the red king is I'm smart. Nice. I think the Red King is Azazel. Okay. Azazel is one of the first mutants ever. Mm-hmm. He's a badass. He is previously associated with the Hellfire Club. And he is red. I mean, he's like, he's red. Yeah. And it just kind of seems like it's setting it up. Um, we also haven't seen Azazel in a while. It would also leave a lot of turmoil if you've got azazel and mystique and nightcrawler all on the council that's kind of neat yeah they also there's like a map toward the back of the book that shows like the layout of where everybody is and they put the red king and the white queen and the black king all together and i'm like ain't nobody wants to hang out with the two of them except for somebody like azazel (laughs) yeah it's like hellfire bay or whatever yeah like ain't nobody gonna want to be there and like come on hellfire like it's gotta be azazel it just makes sense it makes yeah. logistical logical now, i know because what threw me off when they started like because in the last issue it was like uh mystique was or no uh emma frost was just like i want a third seat i'm not gonna tell you who it is yeah and that's where we left off but she never mentioned red king in that one right and then in this one we got to look at like when they put up a chart and it listed everyone who was there and it yep. just said Red King, but it didn't say who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so what threw me off is because I know for a fact, due to like solicitations for upcoming issues, that Kitty Pride, who is now Captain Kate Pride, 
in Marauders is the Red Queen. Nice. Um, but here's the... So I was like, well, maybe maybe it's someone tied to Kitty Pride, but, like, would that be Colossus? But Colossus is, like, not really the leader-y type. No. You know what I mean? Like, he's and not really he the, like... why hang out with the two of them? Yeah, and he's not really, like... I mean, granted, we don't know what's been happening with Colossus since Uncanny kind of petered out, um, and the whole, like, uh, Age of X-Men, so right. they, he could have gone on some, like, bender and become some ruthless dude, maybe that's what they're setting up, I don't know, but, um, I like the idea of Azazel, it would surprise me, um, on two facets, one, because it's very obvious, because he's red, <laughs> and two... Yep. Um, because Azazel's, like, he's a bad dude. Like, he is a demonic mutant from, like, the brimstone dimension. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's a bad AMF to have on that council. And it, it makes sense because, I mean, Apocalypse is on the freaking council. Right. But, and that, um, honestly, that in and of itself is why I think Azazel makes a lot of sense because it's, it's a power play by Emma. It's yep. Emma establishing that, like... In, is it, I think, um, uh, Magneto and, uh, Xavier and Apocalypse are Autumn. And so to have the three, have her with the Black King and with Azazel, it gives her a power play. It shows that, like, oh, you have one of the earliest mutants? Well, so do I. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you have this, like, force for, you know, benevolence or whatever? Well, we don't give a damn. We are what we are. Yeah. Like, I, I just, it feels like such a logical power play by her yeah, that I, I, mean, I really like it. I, I get it. Like, I like I said, I think it's, um, I think it's a good choice. Like, I think it would, it would make sense. But I'm kind of holding out hope that it's going to be somebody that's just, like, full left field. That would be That is really dope. cool, you it know what I mean? interesting. I just can't think of anybody, uh, off. Yeah, off I can't hand. think of anybody who makes as much sense as Azazel does. Yeah, true that um but i could be wrong we could find out next issue that i'm super duper wrong <laughs> i think it's i honestly think it's kind of weird that mystique is the 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 allies team is a little weird but i guess it makes because there's the the f founders the family the friends the allies and they're broken into like the seasons yeah and um the one of them is just like mystique mr sinister and exodus and I just think that's kind of an odd one because they don't really have any ties to anything. You know what I mean? They're except for their mutantdom. Yeah, but I'm saying like they don't really have any ties to like each other. So it's this like leg of the council that's just a bunch of people that don't aren't really... related. Like we see Sinister and Exodus not get along in the pages of the yeah. book. Yeah. So it's like it's odd to build a council, you know, and separate it into these legs, presuming that the legs were going to like because like the Hellfire Club, they're all working together. Like, yeah. Emma and uh, Shaw both immediately start, like, talking business and talking, like, these are the things we find important, you know? And Xavier Magneto and Apocalypse at least have some level of understanding with each other. And then, uh, you know, Nightcrawler, Jean Grey, and Storm are the X-Men, so they're all going to agree. But then you have this leg that's just, like, fairly, like, rebellious, roguish people that don't get along so i i just thought that was kind of odd it is interesting though to think about how even though they make sense in a thematic way the other sections they're also incredibly contentious 
Because yeah. Emma had just ousted Shaw. They hate each other. Yeah. And, like, Apocalypse and Magneto and Xavier, like, Magneto and Xavier even said, like, whatever was between us before, we have to just, you no, know, I, leave I it alone. No, I get that, but so they, at least have, they at least have, like, similar focuses, I guess. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, they're thematically makes sense, but there's just a lot of contention in the divisions it's of true. the group. It's like, true. Yeah. inherent divisions. That's government, man. And if you look at um, the X-Men section, even, like, Gene and Cyclops and Storm all tried to lead at different times. Yeah. And there's to, been, like, a lot of, you know, history between the three To of some them. degree, but that's all, like, way... That's, like, ancient history. That's, like, way history. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like the Emma Shaw thing that happened, yeah. like, yesterday. Yeah. That just... You know I mean? Poor Emma. I just ousted him. Why do I have to bring <laughs> yeah. him back? Um, what I thought was cool about this issue... Um, I mean, for the most part, it went in the direction I expected. Like I said, yeah. a lot of the council members I wasn't really shocked about. No. Exodus is an interesting one, just because... I don't think he's really been popping up much. Right. And then obviously the Red King is curious. Yeah. But like, you know, Gene, Nightcrawler, Storm. I was a little iffy on Nightcrawler and then they call it out. They're like, he's the most righteous among us because he's got religion. Yeah. Um. So I, I get that. He's the most moralistic. He's always been one of the, he's like, the moral compass. Moral compass parts of, yeah. uh, of the X-Men. And also just like super willing to go there. You know what I mean? Like right. when he freaking bamps wolverine into the sun fully aware that he's going to like immediately get eradicated that was one of the coolest things a mutant has ever done you know in uh one of the earlier houses of x yeah remember when they're going after the mother mole right and he's like here we go and just like ah like instantly but he's just down to do it I did, um yeah go ahead oh i also really liked that um the council had Nightcrawler on it and not Cyclops. Yeah. And Cyclops is like one of the like is like the head militaristic. Yeah, he's the Cobra commander. Which I just find that really interesting because I feel like if this had been if this had happened like ten years ago, he would have been on the council. Yeah, it would have just been. But now because of all of the ish that went down and him going nutter butter and him being like this war hungry. Like, well, I don't whatever. I just think it's really interesting that now he's, like, that part of the leadership. I don't think that part of Cyclops exists anymore. And that's a theory I have that I'm curious to see if it plays out. Um, I think the X-Men we have are X-Men that Charles felt like were the best point for the X-Men. And really? I think we're going to find, like, because Cyclops feels too much like old Cyclops. And even if he's like, you're right, mutant kind, we need to do this, hurrah, like, he still went through hell to get yeah. to that point. Yeah. And, because, like I said in a previous episode, like, where we left off with Uncanny was bleak. Right. And so even if you're like, hooray, hurrah, hurroo, like, you went through some shit. You right. killed Charles, you went nuts, you died, you came back. You then, like, watch all the X-Men get eradicated slowly. Yeah. You know? And, like... Yeah. No, it's, a, it's an You've been through point. some shit. And then Jean Grey's walking around in Mar as Marvel Girl. I absolutely I mean? think she is a previous and, version of herself. I didn't think about Cyclops doing And it, Wolverine feels like Papa Wolverine from, like... Not too, not too <laughs> long ago. Honestly, like, shortly before he got killed off. Yeah. When he was just, like... 
And the Wolverine we've seen since his resurrection is very gruff, very isolated, very distant, not really wanting to work with people. You know what I mean? Yeah, agreed. So it's it feels like all these guys, and Storm feels like really rooted in her, like, how she was right around the time she was, like, canoodling with Wakanda Boy. You know what I mean? Like, she feels very, like royal and ego-driven and i'm impactful and strong she has been helping i am the goddess again you know? which is interesting yeah so i i i wonder i wonder if that's gonna be a part of the x-men like the x-men story where like cyclops is back in the world and he's like i don't know why people trust me they just hate don't trust me they just hate mutants and then somebody's like remember that time you killed a bunch of people and he's like what? No. <laughs> Well, that'll be really interesting because they make such a point to specify that, like, only mutants with certain levels of psychic capabilities are able to maintain a previous version of themselves. So it would be really interesting if there was, like, a lot of effort put in to make it so that these non-psychic mutants could... Well, and the the way they phrase it is weird because they say, like, only... uh, I don't know the exact wording, but the way similar that they phrase it is, like, only a high-level telepath can like put a mind into a legacy or something like that and then they're like charles xavier has done it x amount of times that's a good point they didn't say he's done it for himself x amount of times you know interesting so um that's just a running theory it's probably gonna be wrong anyway the last thing i want to say about this issue um is that the cool part about it for me is that none of the like not a lot of the setup for what's like hints at what's going to happen in like the series because this was the end of house of x right which is referred to as like a grand beginning or something like that in right. the marketing material um so this is the point that's going to then lead into all the x-men titles and um not a lot of the foreshadowing for those happens in the dialogue a lot of it happens in the art yeah. So we see, you know, bonds being formed between people that, like, didn't typically have bonds. We see certain people kind of isolating themselves and getting a little creepy. We see, like, stuff happening in the background and, like, people being there who weren't there and stuff like that. That's a good so point. So it's, it's really cool that a lot of the setup happens in the, the visual details as opposed to the words, you know. There's a really good instance of that when Cyclops gives Jean a soda and then she walks over to Emma. Time out. It's a beer. It Whatever. came from Wolverine. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Wolverine ain't walking around with no Coke Zero. Fair. But um like he give he Cyclops gives Jean the beer and then she walks over, sits down and gives one to Emma and they don't make eye contact. They don't look at each other and then Emma looks at scott and it's just this bizarre yeah knowingness yeah well between the three of them and i'm i don't know it was just so like well and wolverine cracks a beer off and goes over to gorgon and hands it to him you know yeah it's just just, like standing by himself it's just so interesting apocalypse is somewhere i can't figure out where they were trying to say apocalypse was but he was just like off in the distance somewhere like looming so he's got something going on yeah it's apocalypse Um, so we'll see. Uh, but it, it was cool. I'm really excited for the whole thing to wrap up next week in Powers of X. Thank you for listening to us talk about it every single week. It's been an exciting run. And the next uh, the next issue is the last and another red highlight special one. 
So yep. that should be exciting. Um, last Marvel thing I want to talk about is B- Bizarre Adventures. So this is one of those like anthology titles that Marvel's been putting out this year to celebrate their big anniversary. Um, I almost passed on this one, uh, but it did have a Becky Cloonan uh, artwork story in it and i love becky clunan's artwork so i ended up picking it up and i'm glad i did uh because the story i'm referring to it's about dracula so there's four stories in this uh one about dracula one about bloodstone the first one not elsa um one about black goliath and one about shang chi and they're all pretty good the black goliath one is weird um (laughs) okay just bizarre uh, but the Dracula one, it's written by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad, um, and it was great. It was it, it was good. It was it was really really good. It was cool. very like emotional, and it was just kind of a sweet story about That's this immortal cool. dude like pining over someone he once held a flame for and stuff. Aww. And it just paints this really cool picture of Dracula, and it's it's the old Dracula because Dracula in Marvel lineage has kind of turned into this weird like really beefed up like really horrid kind of vampire character you know what i mean yeah um but back in the day he was just dracula he was what we knew of dracula he still had a mustache and like greasy black hair and capes yeah and so it's that guy um (laughs) and it was very good and the art was great because it's becky clunan um but yeah i i recommend picking it up it's fun it's i don't remember how much it was but it's one of the thicker ones uh but it's just a fun little read of some like it's got fantasy, it's got horror, it's got weird Black Goliath stuff happening. <laughs> um, and the Shang-Chi one was pretty funny, too. What I thought was weird, and I couldn't find anything about this, is this was supposed to have, I believe his name is Chris Onstad. I might be messing that up. Uh, but this was supposed to have, like, the first, it was supposed to be, like, the first Marvel appearance of this, like, critically acclaimed online comic writer. Oh. But he wasn't in it. Oh. He was not. And That's I didn't... Weird hear anything about him getting booted and there's still like any preview and solicitation you look mentions his name but none of the credits on any of the stories mention him that's Um, weird he didn't do any of the covers because he also does art for his comic he didn't do any of the covers he didn't do any of the like stuff in like in the inner cover like the artwork there so i couldn't find him um so if you know what happened or you because I'm very curious, because that's, that's another thing that kind of led me to it, because everyone was like, critically acclaimed. Um, he writes an online comic called Akewood. Um, huh. And I just, I could not find it. What a um, So I don't know if he just got separated from Marvel, or maybe they're going to use him somewhere else. Uh, yeah, it's Chris Onstad. Um, but yeah, he wasn't in that book, so I'm sorry Chris Onstad and Akewood fans, but I don't think he's a part of this. Hmm. So bummer yeah Hmm. well i this week somehow managed to read one marvel book no dc books and five indie comics fair so i'm gonna go dive right into some indies okay um my first indie that I wanted to cover really quick, um, I don't have a ton to say about it, but um, the five-issue mini She Said Destroy wrapped up this week. Um, this was a cool little fantasy book that took an interesting twist on traditional mythology and mm-hmm. that the Morrigan was actually not the villain. The Morrigan was kind of 
put in the light of the the dying hero um hmm. so the whole book is about the contention between um morrigan and another god not like the other god is trying to essentially get all of the people in the universe to worship her mm-hmm. and when you st- when you lose worshipers when all your worshipers die off the god dies yeah um and so the morrigans got like this little tiny triage of of witches that are trying to keep everything together and they've been fighting this ongoing war and bab has been essentially overrunning everything and the end of this book it was really cool because the whole time you're not 100 percent sure where it's gonna go like mm-hmm. you don't know is the morgan gonna die or are they gonna escape is yeah it, because it seems like a really incredibly fruitless effort like mm-hmm. they did a really good job of making you think like wow they are fucked like yeah. there is, is no hope for not these people. gonna go their way i root for them and it's cool because the author specified corello um specified that you know they wanted to make a book where death didn't have to be the bad guy mm-hmm. which i thought was really cool because it's true death's inevitable death doesn't have to be a negative thing death brings rebirth and life and all of these things um and, and so it was just cool to see a depiction that way i thought the book wrapped up really well um the art was great the whole time the the plot made sense it wasn't hard to follow mm-hmm. um the dialogue was consistent you know it didn't blow me away it wasn't like the best thing i've ever read but yeah for a cool you know twist on on the usual suspects it was it was kind of neat it was it was a neat little read and it was nice. short so i think it's probably pretty easy it was to just find. five issues right? yeah i think it was probably it'll probably be pretty easy to find in in stores so i would definitely check it out if you're looking for something a yeah. little bit different and maybe it's something a little a little heartstring pulley yeah maybe the trade will come out like around the holidays that would yeah, be a good little that like, would be a great trade, one to, you know? to give to your friends who Just, like self-contained kind of thing yeah it was it was cool so let me ask you a question t okay you are writing a vampire story okay okay vampire story takes place solely inside the empire state building <laughs> what do you name your vampire story <laughs> because if your answer is vampire state building then you're correct (laughs) really so there's a book out called vampire state building um and it is exactly what i just said it is about people trapped in the empire state building with vampires with vampires um essentially they're like renovating the 75th floor and they find like this secret room (laughs) and in that secret room is a corpse and we find out later that that corpse is some sort of like elder vampire our main character, it's it opens very, like, Cloverfieldy. It's people okay. in New York. One of them's leaving. They're trying to, like, show that, like, give that person a going away kind of hurrah, but also right. be like, look at how great New York is. You shouldn't go. And, like, he just <laughs> broke up with somebody, but he kind of broke up with them because he was leaving. And oh, my God. It is the plot to Cloverfield. Yeah, and <laughs> he's, uh, he's leaving because he's going to go overseas to afghanistan because that's how that works and he uh his dad died in afghanistan was a soldier so he's gonna go fight terrorism or whatever because apparently you could just be like sign me up bucko but you know you gotta go train first and then you go to because they never really made mention that he's like an ex-soldier or something (laughs) you know what i mean anyway um 
Maybe they tried to hint at that, but I, I didn't catch it. Maybe he's like a soldier of fortune? It was, it was cool. Like, if you're looking for just, like, a fun little horror book or you're really into, like, New York stuff, um, probably be a pretty good read. It's written by Ong, A-N-G-E is the name of one of the writers, and then Patrick Renault. And it's got art by Charlie Adler, so that's kind of the big draw to it is it's hmm. the artist from The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Doing art. Cool. Um, and it's weird to see his stuff in color. I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, I can really, imagine. Really freaks me out that it's not just the cover in color and then the anyway. Yeah. Um, it was it was fun. It wasn't. It didn't really blow me away. I don't know if I'm gonna keep going with it. Um, the art design of the elder vampire was a little wonky for me. I get what <laughs> they were going for, like make it different, make it stand out, but a little weird. It's also a little uh like homeless people phobic in its own kind of way. Okay. Um. And the black dude literally dies first. Oh, my God. <laughs> so in the group of friends, there's one black guy, and they're running from these vampires. And I, I'm on the page. I'm watching them run, and I'm like, I swear, he's the first one to die. And he is the only death from that group of oh friends my God. in the first issue. Okay. And I thought that was hilarious. Because, like, how do you do that and not just think to yourself, like, wow that's cliche <laughs> maybe that's the point like i'm i'm all for like whatever man like it we, we didn't do it because he's black we just killed him off um but it's just it's such a fun trope to poke fun at and everyone's aware at like aware of it oh yeah every single person is aware about the trope that like the black guy dies first and horror stuff right so to do it in a comic, no less. In literally the first issue, oh, is man. just is is mm. <laughs> mm. tasty. That, I gotta say, that's delicious. This whole plot and like this whole thing you've described, yeah, sounds like a movie that The Rock's gonna star in. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then he'd be like swinging off the side of the Empire State Building. He'd be like, "Oh shit!" And then he'd like hit a window and like squeak against it, and it'd be funny because. It's The Rock, and he does comedy now. Yeah. But. It'd be, like, somewhere between, like, a Sam Raimi horror movie yeah. and Skyscraper. Well, I'll, I'll pitch it to him next time I talk to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys <laughs> I just want to be important. It's okay. <laughs> come on. Come on. We talked about I this. I said I wouldn't cry this episode. I know. I cried Deep breath. every episode. Remember, cleansing breaths. Cleansing breaths. <laughs> No, in deep heart. Okay, all right. You know, uh... What'd you read? Yeah, so I read a horror book as well. Dope. Um, This one's called Nomen Archie Omen. Halloween, but oh. That one yeah. comes later. Um, <laughs> that one I have to talk about when I talk about the patriarchy. Um, Dope. Nomen Omen, it's by Marco Bucci and Jacopo Camagni. Ooh. Yeah. I'm there. Jo Couple. I've got there. It's fine. Um, yep, you nailed it. This book is weird. <laughs> I see you're rocking the dope-ass Becky Cloonan cover. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. So. I'm just going to keep plugging Becky Cloonan as much as I can. I think that's legit. And hopes that she'll retweet us like our best friend, Ryan North. That's true. Ryan North did retweet us because he <laughs> is our best friend. You guys thought we wouldn't mention it again, but you guys were wrong. <laughs> it's true. Um, but so the book is Uh-huh. There's there's a lot of like fairy tale imagery going on. 
Yeah. Um, but there's a lot happening in this book, and I don't know how it all ties together, and it's really fast and aggressive. Um, but not just, not necessarily fast in, like, a good way. Um, book starts easy enough. People driving, talking about fu the future, life choices, come across an accident in the road, try to help the people in the accident. Freaky, dinky, like, witch, uh, like, heathen ritual sex montage shit goes down mm -hmm. very suddenly. Um, immaculate conception suddenly. Uh, uh, then they do this really cool thing in part of the book where the person in the the primary like person i guess they're trying to talk about the like daughter that is born through immaculate conception is um like colorblind effectively mm. they, they only see in black and white and so the pages are in black and white oh which is really cool okay. and i nice. i appreciated that i thought that was really neat subtle bit of and like, like yeah tying the art to the story yeah i thought that That's was really, really cool. neat and like they did a thing where they made her like for her birthday they made a rainbow cake yeah, yeah. But she can't see the rainbow. She just sees She's the like, variants of yeah, gray. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's like a light to dark gray. Uh -huh. But, like, it's kind of cool because they did it on purpose because they were like, we wanted to see if you could see the light to dark. And she was like, yeah. And she was able to tell that it was a rainbow uh -huh. even though she can't see the rainbow. And it was, like, her 21st birthday. And so it was really cool. And then at the end, shit goes completely left field. Oh, and no. I have no idea where it comes from. Um, and then in the middle, there was this weird, like, hospital bed montage talking about people that we don't know anything about and a weird like internal monologue and there's like face spirits i have literally no fucking clue what happened in this book like there's too much happening there's like six stories in this one book and i don't yeah i don't so understand i looked up a thing uh when this book hit shelves because i was like why is it called nomen omen I was like, is that the name of the character? Oh, it's the um, Instagram account. What? <laughs> the girl in the book starts an Instagram account uh -huh. taking pictures in the way that she sees the world because she sees things in black and white. There's an actual Instagram account for Nomen Omen. Oh, cool. So that's um, the thing. Anyway, what it is is that it actually comes from like a Roman, I think Roman, Roman proverb nomen est omen okay um and and yes i know i sounded weirdly swedish when i said that <laughs> my lineage is scottish and germanic don't do latin well he says speaking english anyway um though english is kind of just a bastard of everything yeah, um at this point, and yeah. essentially what it is is it's the formation of like nominative determinism so it's that whole idea where like people with a certain name will gravitate to like a certain line of work. So oh. it's like how, I don't know the name specifically, but say for instance, it's this hypothesis that like a bunch of Charlie's become dentists or Dennis. Like I'm, my name's Dennis. That's what it is. My name's Dennis. I'm going to be a dentist. Okay. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that's what nomen omen is like it. a play on is the nomen est omen Roman proverb. Okay. Um, which is about nominative determinism. So there you go. Huh. You just learn stuff. And it's your Instagram account. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yep. Okay. Because I was looking that up. I was like, is this just like 
was the author just like, I don't know. It's about an omen. We'll call it Plomen Omen. And they were like, Plomen sounds weird. And he was like, Nomen Omen. They were like, yeah, that'll work. They were like, okay. And then they printed it up. And he was like, no, like Gnome with a G. And they were like, it's too late, man. We already printed it. <laughs> you know. With a G. That's going to be my next Pathfinder character. Gnomen Omen? Yeah. And he's going to be a gnome. Is he? <laughs> you should make him Roman. <laughs> yes. The Roman Nomen Rome, Omen. Rome doesn't exist in Pathfinder, but you're going to be the Roman the Roman Gnome Nomen Omen. <laughs> I'm, I'm sold. I don't know if you're sold, but you can lead the campaign. Yeah, and we're going to have you be a local so that the headquarters can be the Roman Gnome Nomen, Nomen Omen's home. <laughs> the Roman Gnome Nomen Omen's home will be the headquarters. I am so into this. Yeah. Well, all right. We got it. Sorry, everybody. We got to go. We got to go plan yeah. this new Pathfinder campaign. Um, but yeah, so good art. Cool. I I don't know. It's weird. I, I'm not saying don't pick it up. I'm just saying be prepared that if you do pick it up, it's weird. Yep. And I don't entirely know what I think about it. Dark Ark is back. Woo! Yay. Everyone Woo! celebrate. Praise Lucifer. Um, so Colin Bunn's alternative history telling of Noah's Ark. Uh, wherein there is an evil arc in with monsters on it simultaneous to Noah's Ark with all the animals uh, is back. Here's what bums me out. Um, it's hard to suggest. I, I don't like when indie books go to like a new volume and they start at a number one and then they don't have a recap page. Yeah. You know, like you make it totally unapproachable to people that haven't read the rest of it. Right. Um, because they don't know what's going on. No. Um, Anywho, I suggest you pick it up. Um, you can find recaps probably on like Comic Vine and you know Wikipedia and stuff for oh, what yeah. what what it is, or just pick up the trades or pick up the issues for Dark Art for the first run. They should still be available. It's Colin Bun. It's Wando being badass. It's awesome. Um, and the first issue of the new arc starts out strong. Uh, Honestly, don't know if they needed another volume. Just to be honest, I I, I, I don't know if enough. this was like a cash in because the last one kind of ended at a good place. Um, but it's got some cool stuff going on. So I don't know if if Colin really needs a cash in right now. Yeah, I mean he's, he's got doing so much so shit. Yeah. much he's right got now. So much, but it's it's a really good book. I Wando is constantly on my radar um, for his art. Like it's it's not the most photo real ultra detailed super impressive art but his use of colors is unlike a lot of what i've seen and it probably wouldn't appeal to everybody um but he's just got this great use of color where it's very like very like monochromatic in the sense of like each scene kind of has its own color scheme and it sticks to like variances okay. of that color yeah but he uses the like different scenes having different colors to kind of display different ideas happening or like right. time jumps or like flashbacks or that's cool you know different levels of tension like he did it i was bragging about him in uh the oh i don't remember what it was called but it was his one recently i talked about it on the podcast um about like these people going off the grid for this wedding um oh yeah oh bad reception that's yeah. what it's called and got there Bang. Boom. uh and you know he had the like 
story of the rich people happening and it was happening in its own panels and its own color scheme and then at the bottom at a slower pace and a different color scheme the dude hunting the like creepy dude hunting um and that's just what he does he does these like really cool splash pages and really cool colors so um i highly recommend dark arc it was one of my favorite uh aftershock titles um and it's back so you know if you want to go back and get the old issues if you want to just get a recap online either way highly recommend you check out dark arc nice um i read another number one this week which is utterly bizarre but i'm like really into it so this one's called ruby falls um by Anne nocenti um this is a really weird book um not the weird like nomen omen which is just like what the hell is going on that's one of those dark arc or uh, Dark Horse uh, Burger books, right? Yes. Dark, dark um, Horse. Dark. It feels, so it's kind of like a like a murder mystery, sort yep. of. But it honestly just kind of feels very natural. Yeah. Like someone's, like you're just watching someone live a life. Yep. It, it's, the main character lives in a small town, Ruby Falls. She's in a relationship with her girlfriend. She hangs out around her dad and her mom but they're like separated and live in separate houses and like mom runs the bar dad runs the butcher shop she's vegan like they hate each other there's like these weird nuanced things like the dog that's been the same like there's been like three dogs all with the same name that they just Hmm. keep tying up outside it's (laughs) weird it's this weird nuanced thing and the whole plot centers around her grandmother, who her mom put into a home, um, has dementia and is losing her memories rapidly. And then all of a sudden she gets like weirdly cognitive and starts spouting about how she witnessed a murder when she was young. And our main character is like, well, shit, that's intense. We need to figure this out. I want to find out more about this. And everyone's like, don't fuck around with this. Like, leave this alone. Don't play with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, her mom's like, I forbid you from going and seeing my mother because you just rile her up. And her yeah. girlfriend's like, leave this alone. You don't want to touch stuff. Huh. But it, like, it's, it's, it's really just interesting because it just feels very natural. Like, it doesn't feel like a story. It just feels like, oh, I'm watching like, yeah, a reality show it's of like this really, chick. Just, really organic. Yeah, yeah, it's just this chick living her life, and like, That's impressive. the art isn't super. Like, I wouldn't call the art beautiful i would call the art super clean like it's these very like strong clean lines and like everyone seems very like the facial features are kind of ungendered and things are just very like it i don't know it just it's a very organic feeling book and i really dig it like very cool yeah it's it's not particularly incentivizing or anything yeah i mean there is a cliffhanger at the end um but like I don't know. There's something about this book that I'm really digging, you guys. And uh, everybody pick up number one of Ruby Falls. Dark Horse has been doing some really cool stuff with their, like, burger books line. It is um, neat. Like, I didn't get to pick up LaGuardia just because I missed it. My shop stopped having it. Um, but I heard great things about LaGuardia. And uh, She Could Fly gets really good ratings, really good, like, responses. I'm reading Invisible Kingdom. I'm reading everything. Those are both great yeah um and ruby falls apparently yeah, also ruby falls really, is really cool so, i don't know uh, I don't, keep I don't an know. eye out there on those burger books they'll be dark horse and they'll say burger books on them and they have been stellar They're so far up, man. yeah yeah 
Um, so now I have to go into my little my little foray of um, fighting the patriarchy. Um, so two books this week came out that I just want to briefly discuss. I don't have a ton to say, but um, the final conclusion of Man Eaters came out number twelve. Oh, really? It's over. Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know um, it, was over. it technically kind of ended last time. Huh. Um, Neat. Number eleven was technically the end of the story. I I appreciate what this book tried to do. And I think this is all personal opinion. And yep. Chelsea, I still appreciate the hell out of you and I think you're great. Um, but I'm gonna throw this out there. Mm-hmm. I think midway through this book, Chelsea Kane got discouraged, threw her hands up in the air, and just started making shit up. Okay. Um yeah. I think she was she faced weird backlash on Twitter. I feel like yeah. she faced a lot of hostility for different things. Stuff happened that was very confusing and feels kind of plot holy. Hmm. Like stuff started happening very quickly that didn't really have backstory or foreshadowing or explanation. It's very strange because the first several issues of the book felt very momentous, lots of forward momentum, like momentum there was a lot of like cohesiveness there was a lot of like foreshadowing and subtlety and it really worked and then all of a sudden it just sort of felt like you know what fuck it i'm not gonna do this anymore i'm just gonna like throw my hands up in the air and and say whatever i'm done put my hands up play my song i'm gonna make this (laughs) absolutely as ridiculous as i can because everybody's giving me grief anyway so why even bother yeah Making it up like, like yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, my. Um, so that, I don't know. I I appreciate the book. I appreciate what the book did. I appreciate mm-hmm. all the nuance and the, you know, sarcasm, and it's dripping, so I appreciate it. But it, it I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely worth a read. If you are, you know, way into to watching sarcastic ploy against patriarchal norms it's Mm. a fun thing to read like it was fun from issue one to issue 12 and there's so many little things and details but you know maybe not maybe not the most story consistent book that i've ever read yeah fair um and then the last thing that i want to mention briefly is the archie halloween spectacular woo patriarchy woo um (laughs) the book itself there's Several stories, oh, like four stories in it. We're supposed to be rebelling against the patriarchy. Yeah, I need you to tone down. Um, Boo, patriarchy! Yeah, there you go. There we go. That's we better. It. There you are. Now you're on. Th- now you're. Now you're on the right speed. I just see Archie, and I'm back in the '50s, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so was this book. Um, <laughs> the Archie segments, yeah, were fine. They were cute, normal Archie stuff. They like introduced yep. it kind of in a modern setting with like phones and stuff. Yep. But then there's two stories based on Sabrina. Okay. And they're, they're aggressive. No. Yeah. Like, they turned Sabrina into this, like, bobble-headed, ditzy bitch. Like, she was horrible. Ew. Like, Why? her first story is all about her falling in love with this super dreamy vampire. And this <laughs> mummy is, like, super into her. Oh, and no. And she is completely, like... So they, like, they turned Sabrina have- into Die Kitty Die. It's it's <laughs> rough. Like she's like, oh, I don't want to have anything, to, and I'm gonna spoil it. 
But I don't have anything to do with the mummy. Ew, why is he fawning all over me? I want the vampire guy. He's so hot. He, like, rips his bandages off and he's hot. He's the vampire! <laughs> he has to wear bandages during the day because he can't be in the sun. Uh, and then at uh, the end, she's, so like, she's like, oh, that's amazing. I'm so glad. Like, uh, she is an absolute asshole to this guy the whole time until she's like, oh, wait, you're the dreamy hot guy. It's gross. And then the second story shows, like, this weird, like, invisible chick. Oh, Lord. Essentially cheating for this douchebag werewolf guy. It's just, like, I don't I don't understand what is happening with the Sabrina comics, especially with how hmm. amazingly progressive Sabrina has been lately. Yeah. Both in the Archie books and in and her in, show. Yeah. Her show is phenomenal. Like, it is, like... Hardcore women power. Let's do this thing. Do and, it. Like I don't, I don't, I don't recommend it because I just got really aggro about it. <laughs> now, at what point in the Sabrina show is there a cat voiced by Norbert Beaver? I gotta be honest. The fact that the cat doesn't talk in this show really pisses me off. Wait, hold up. Cat don't talk. <laughs> He's really good. He's so Wait. smart. He's Wait. on the red carpet, even. Wait. Yeah, he doesn't talk. He does not talk. No. It's stupid. Netflix. I, it's the one thing that I'm like, All right, everybody. Oh. I need you to go out and cancel your Netflix <laughs> subscriptions. <laughs> we have had enough. We need to tell them that we've had enough. And until we get cats that talk, we're leaving. It's, it's look, Roberto. Why doesn't he talk? You can make him talk. Make him talk. Just make him talk. Make like, him talk. Maybe I'm behind. Maybe they made him talk in much later. Later, yeah. later. Uh, but, like, later. I watched the whole first season. He never talked. He's just an adorable little cat <sighs> doing his adorable little cat thing. Nope. And that's some bullshit. Can't, can't handle it. So that's where I am about that. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. Cool. That will finish it up for us. That's going to wrap us up like a sexy vampire. <laughs> if you like this and you want more, yeah. you can find all of our episodes. Yes, all it's true. Just go out to, it's a field just to the south-southeast no, no, no. of Austin, Texas. No, honey. We buried them there. No, They're underneath honey. a marker shaped like a skull Babe. on top Babe. of an eggplant. Babe. Okay? Babe. They're on our website, coveredpodcast.com. That's what I spend, like, every Friday doing. So why did I bury all this thunder? I told you to stop, but you didn't pay attention to me. I had, had geocaching people talking to me for weeks. You had your headphones on. I was yelling at you and miming, and you were just like, do-do-do, dancing queen. And I was like, well, he's just I not paying attention. I have to have my ABBA in the... M- you know what? I'm in this fight every day. Yep, nope, I'm not... I'm not letting you get between me and Eva. Okay, that's, sure. That's just what it is. Okay, Fernando, whatever you say. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. It's true. We talk about ABBA. We do not we talk don't, about yeah. ABBA. I do have an ABBA uh, fan cast coming up oh, soon. God. Uh, that's that's, that's going to be a great. That'd be great. I should, I should do that. <m- <laughs> have an ABBA fan cast. Anyway. That'd probably be. Check us out on effective. Facebook 
and Twitter at Cover Me Podcast. Yeah, dude. Uh, if you're on our website, you want some sweet merch. If you want to rep, we got sweet merch up there. Um, I'll add us. Yeah, you can find <laughs> us both on our personal Instagrams. T is currently raking in that sweet, sweet cosplayer imaginary hearts on Instagram. It's true. And I get like four or five likes on my posts. Our cats are adorable. Of so my face really eating pizza and stuff like that. And so. our cats. Yep. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. Welcome to Spooktober, everybody. We are going... Oh, and I, I want to say real quick, we are going to go out and see Joker. However, we are going to have to wait until Monday. We've got a busy weekend. So we will have a uh, real extra about the Joker movie. But it won't be until next week. Yes. So I'm sorry that we're not going to have one coming out on like Saturday like we usually do. And it's been a while since we've had a comic book movie, so it kind of sucks to delay it. Uh, but we just do not have time this weekend. Yeah, it's so, just not going to work out, uh, but that's okay. We're going to go see it Monday night, and we're going to have an episode on Tuesday. Probably record on Tuesday, and then probably Wednesday we'll have the episode out. Um, yeah, man. Or we can put it up Tuesday night. Who knows? But uh, anyway. We'll be up next week. We will see all you. Well, we will talk at all you beautiful people's earbuds. You'll hear um, us. Yeah, you'll hear us next week for the next episode of, of Cover, Cover Me. Me. Are we going to do this like every episode this month? I was just going to do the next entire episode as Pennywise. Oh, God. 